0: Hello and welcome to the Responsive Family Sleep Podcast. I'm your host, Kim Hawley, holistic sleep coach, lactation consultant, peaceful parenting educator, and mom. If you've ever felt overwhelmed by all the conflicting sleep info, frustrated with sleep information that just plain felt wrong, or searched desperately for a truly gentle and responsive sleep approach, then you are in the right place. In each episode, we'll be answering your most pressing baby and toddler sleep questions, busting those sleep myths, and helping you understand truly developmental, biologically normal baby and toddler sleep, plus encouraging you to trust your intuition along the way. Let's get started. Hello, and welcome back. Today we are talking about sleep training culture and how sleep training culture impacts and affects our sleep goals and how we think about sleep, even when we know we don't wanna sleep train. I think a lot of people don't realize just how much sleep training and sleep training culture influence like the sleep context that we are living in. Even when you absolutely know that cried out doesn't feel right, um, and you want to respond to your baby, that's like one level, that's like a strategy level but we don't often recognize how many ways sleep training ideas have impacted and infiltrated all the ways that we think about sleep, right? Sleep training culture is a belief system. It is not just about strategies. It's a whole belief system and value judgments and emphasis that shapes, the way that we think about sleep, and what we culturally define as normal, Like, what are those default expectations. And, you know, those default expectations from sleep training culture are generally really out of step with those biological needs and developmental norms and expectations that are based, you know, more on child development. So what is sleep training culture? Where did it come from, right? Sleep training culture is a product of history, and it's a product of culture right sleep training is modern western culturally based we certainly have exported it other places but it is a product of industrialized modern western culture and if we look before that people didn't sleep train historically speaking and around the world so of course many cultures don't have sleep training as their norms but sleeping through the night you know worrying about sleep stressing about sleep Sleeping independently, these really weren't things a lot of people were worried about, historically speaking, until we hit a bit of a pivot point around the Industrial Revolution and around the 1800s. I feel like that century was a century of a lot of change when it comes to parenting practices and and sleep and where we're getting our information and how we think about things. So most of the beliefs that we have about sleep today right? That baby should sleep through the night, that we can spoil a baby, that night feeds are problematic, that the link between feeding and sleep, you know, feeding to sleep causing waking, we shouldn't respond, Babies should be independent. All of those things that we've been talking about on this podcast, right? Those myths we've been busting, the root of all of them is the emergence of sleep training culture. And that has happened in the context of a lot of cultural changes. We have the Industrial Revolution, which changed the landscape of family life and relocated a lot of people, right, to to urban centers. So we have urbanization. And we have urbanization breaking down those intergenerational extended support systems in which people used to become parents more. And they had all that support around them so that it was easy to meet a baby's nighttime needs because there were lots of other adults awake at any given time. And frankly, there wasn't an expectation that anybody would sleep through the night. So it was normal for an adult to be up in the middle of the night. And therefore, we had a lot more arms, right? And a lot more support for those wakeful babies because we also lived in more extended families. So we have a, a movement to urbanization, we have a breakdown of, of intergenerational support, we have more of a nuclear family. We also have a focus on efficiency and independence and, you know, schedules, factory timing. We have a shift in the rise of scientific mothering and the expert, right? And kind of taking control over birth and baby rearing and infant feeding to be more scientific, right? Except remember that this is not today's science. This is like really, really infancy of science. So we weren't actually being very scientific. They just thought they were being scientific. So we see in the sleep sense, we see all these ideas that, that shape how we think about sleep now, all these sleep myths, the roots really are around the turn of the, the century, late 1800s, early 1900s. We have Dr. Luther Emmett Holt in 1884, 1894, goodness, can't get my dates there, publishing the care of feeding and children. And I, I mentioned him on a, a previous episode talking about feeding to sleep, right? And he is where we see all this Talk about spoiling and schedules and sleeping through the night and feeding, you know, being bad around sleep. All these ideas start with him and they don't end with him, right? They, they become part of the popular culture because he's uh, a leading figure in the early days of pediatrics. So this is, this is a popular book. This was a big deal. It gets put into government pub- publications, like his ideas get repackaged into government publications. They get widely distributed. Uh, They are built on by other early childcare, baby care experts. In 1928, John Watson sort of publishes his whole thoughts on child rearing, which have so many issues. But this is uh, a professional in the first wave of behavioralism, which is the whole theoretical underpinning of sleep training. And so we get more like, you know, no spoiling your children, strict schedules, don't respond, all that kind of language. And it just evolves over the 1900s to when we get to our kind of modern sleep trainers, you know, with Ferber and moving forward from from him. So I will link in the show notes a blog post that kind of walks you through this timeline of sleep training history. I think it's really interesting and really shows us how much of what we believe today has these historical roots and these historical roots are made up. Like just real blunt, they're made up. They have nothing to do with child development. They have nothing to do with healthy sleep. They have nothing to do with a deep understanding of children's emotional and physical needs. These were privileged white men who were physicians, who had a place of cultural authority, who just started sharing their beliefs of how women should raise children, right? And this is gendered on purpose because really in the context, women's work was child rearing, birthing and child rearing, right? But our parenting experts were men, of course, right back then. So we we have to remember the times. And we didn't actually know a lot about child development back then, and these these folks were certainly not experts from deep experience in anything to do with feeding or baby care. So the root of pretty much all of our mainstream sleep beliefs that go hand-in-hand with sleep training are made up. And yet, they're still super pervasive today, right? Maybe a little softened, maybe maybe not, depending on which one we're talking about, but we see them shaping our sleep. Information, beliefs today, even in the medical community, right? There is a lot of unquestioning or not a lot of questioning around a critical look at where these beliefs and ideas came from. They're so accepted as fact. And yet, like we have a lot of research coming out that counterbalances that now, right? Decades of research on attachment, on neuroscience, on really lovely studies on, you know, big population studies on normal sleep patterns. And of course, we need more research, we always need more research, but quite a strong evidence base you know, arguing the opposite, right? Arguing that we should be responding, that waking is normal, that feeding around sleep is normal, that nurturing and responding and touch and connection build healthy, healthy brains, healthy stress systems, um, healthy relationships and healthy children. So <laughs> we have this mismatch, right? This big mismatch between these historical roots that shape where we're at now. And what's developmentally normal. So when it comes to sleep training culture, right? Sleep training is still the most common advice you hear, right? It is what is generally recommended to solve sleep issues. And it's what's generally recommended to prevent sleep issues is these ideas of sleep training and the idea that we need to get babies sleeping independently as soon as possible or else we're somehow harming their sleep development, right? That's, that's what's underpinning a lot of this. Certainly there are ideas around parents getting sleep, but a lot of the fear-based messaging and urgency when it comes to our babies is around that independent sleep as soon as possible or else bad things will happen. Now, when you know you don't want to sleep train, right? You might know that you don't want to use these harsh strategies like cried out, but you may or may not know that a lot of the ideas around independence and sleeping through the night and supporting sleep that you're hearing are also part of sleep training. And they aren't actually part of biologically normal sleep and development. And so there's a lot of like learning and unlearning. Once you know, okay, I don't want to sleep train. That doesn't feel right. I don't want to cry it out. I don't want to ignore my baby. You know, I want to support my toddler's needs. Then we have to go, okay, so What what, what looks sustainable for us? How do we unpack these ideas, the pressure to meet those sleep training expectations just in different ways, right? Because sometimes supporting healthy sleep means throwing out those expectations and finding new ones, right? Finding ones that are actually realistic for our baby and our family, you know, for our toddler, for our family, for where we're at now. And it looks like a really different path. And so, when we talk about supporting sleep responsively and holistically and from a place of development and attachment, we are often talking about redefining healthy sleep and defining new goals and really quite a different pathway than what your sort of sleep training culture expectations are. So, it's not just about the strategies, it's not just about being gentle and responsive but it can be about a completely different way of conceptualizing what does it mean to support healthy sleep um, over time for your little one. One of the moms in my group coaching program, actually we had this really lovely conversation earlier in in the year around independent sleep and and them loving bed sharing, but feeling like, Oh, our baby's well and we should be working on, on her sleeping independently. Shouldn't we? And I was like, well, why? Like, is that what you want to do? Like, why Why do you want to work on this now, right? And what came out is that she felt like she should, right? She felt like, well, my baby's at an age, you know, now she's a toddler, she should be able to sleep independently. And it's like, but is that really what you want? And the answer was, yes and no, right? They wanted a bit more independence in the evening, but not necessarily to stop bed sharing. And so she said to me something which I love, which is like, you know, isn't that the point that we are kind of unlearning and relearning all these expectations? And I'm like, yes, that that is the point. Not that it's wrong to work on in independence, but that when you do, it's really from a place that it's your goal not that societal pressure and you're you're sure that you're ready and your little one is ready not that you're feeling kind of cornered into it and that you should be doing it so sleep training culture really does have this big impact on us both in the pressure to sleep train which i think the obvious way that most people think about it But also in all these subtle ways that we feel guilty or feel like we should be doing something or feel like we have to justify our baby's waking or explain away why we're doing something that is nurturing and responsive. I think the more that we call that out in ourselves, in our own thinking, in conversations with trusted friends, the more that we're aware of that, the more that we can start to build a different narrative. And say, yeah, these, this is the context that we're supporting sleep within, but we don't have to let it, we don't have to let it rule us. Uh, and I think of it as a journey, right? Because you're constantly under that pressure. You're constantly operating within that sleep training culture. So it's often something that we have to revisit over time, like re-remind ourselves, reconfirm that like, no, we don't need to be doing this. We don't need to be doing this. This is external pressure. And I will make those choices, you know, when I'm ready, when it feels right to me, not because other people, you know, culture says that we should. So I hope this episode gave you a lot to think about, right? I could go on and on and we could dig into this in so many different ways. But, you know, sleep training culture really does shape our views. And sleep training culture is really more than strategies. It is so pervasive. It's such a system of beliefs that impacts the way we think about our babies and sleep and their behavior and what we should be doing when. And it's so freeing the more you can set that aside and really do what works for you and make decisions based on your family's needs and take that forward and, you know, step into your own responsive choices with confidence. Thank you for joining me today. I hope this episode left you feeling more informed, confident and encouraged on your sleep journey. And just a reminder before you go that nothing in this episode is individualized to your specific sleep situation, nor is it to be taken as medical advice. Take what resonates, ignore what doesn't and check with your healthcare provider about any medical concerns. Take a moment to subscribe to this podcast so that you'll never miss an episode take a moment to rate, review, or share an episode you love on social media. All of that helps parents just like you find me, this podcast, and this gentle and responsive sleep information. I'll see you next time.